0: I'm Pastor Richard Gamble, and the following message is made available by First Baptist Church of Bastrop, Louisiana. To find out more about First Baptist Bastrop, go to www.firstbastrop.org. That's www.firstbastrop.org. If you have your Bibles with you this morning, turn with me to Deuteronomy chapter 16. Deuteronomy chapter 16, we're continuing our study in, in Deuteronomy. Today we're looking at Deuteronomy chapter 16, verses 9 through 17, and really today's message is going to include 16:1 uh, through 17. But we kind of went over 1 uh, through 8 last week, but we're just going to touch that a little bit this week. But as we look at uh, the significant of all significance of all of this little text of Scripture here. Uh, Deuteronomy 16 9 through 17 if you don't have a bible of your own you can grab one of the pew bibles there and it's page 149 in the pew bible page 149 in the pew bible so we believe that God has endowed all human beings with certain rights we've talked about this before and so just kind of remind you of that we have the right we believe this to be true that we have the right to life Liberty and the pursuit of happiness. That's, we say that in our Declaration of Independence, right? And so we believe this to be true, that God has given us, as human beings, created in his image certain rights. What about God? God also, as our creator, as our sustainer, as our savior, he too has rights and privileges that are due him. And so we've, we've been talking about this for the last few weeks here. As we've been going through Deuteronomy, the fourth commandment is this, observe the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Observe the Sabbath day to keep it holy. If you were here for that message when we were, went over that commandment, you remember me saying that this, the main principle behind that commandment is that God has these rights and privileges. He has a right to be worshiped. As God, as sovereign Creator over the universe, He has the right to be worshipped. And over the course of the past few weeks, we've kind of focused in on that because uh, Deuteronomy fourteen twenty two through Deuteronomy sixteen seventeen kind of uh, Moses in these te- in these this little section of Scripture, he applies that commandment. He focuses in on God's rights and privileges and applies that commandment those, that commandment to The life of Israel as they were getting ready to go into the promised land to become a a nation before God. And so as we've kind of been going over that, just to kind of remind you, we you might remember that God has the right to the tithe. Has a right to the tithe. He gives us everything that we have, all of our money, all of our possessions. He gives it all to us. It's all a consequence of his blessings in our lives. And he allows us to keep 90% of that to live off of and to enjoy. But he asked that we return 10% unto him for the work of his ministry. So he has the right to the tithe. God has the right to require his people to be gracious givers. As we are recipients of God's wonderful grace, we should be gracious givers and give to others as we see needs come up. Now we return to the fact that God has the right to be worshipped. And that's really the focus on these, these last, this last little section of this text here. He's focusing in, Moses is bringing it back to this, this right of God. God has the right to be worshipped, especially by his people. He should be worshipped by all of creation, but especially his people should worship God. God and Deuteronomy 16, 1 through 17 focuses on God's right to be worshipped and calls God's covenant people to regularly gather, to joyfully worship God because of his saving and provisional grace. That's our sermon in a sentence this morning. God calls his covenant community to regularly gather, to joyfully Worship God because of his saving and provisional grace. And so, as we consider God's right to be worshiped, I want to give you this morning five ways that we should worship God. Five ways that we should worship God from Deuteronomy chapter 16, verses 1 through 17. So, I want to read our little section here, 9 through 17, this morning as we get started so if you found your place there in deuteronomy please stand with me in reverence to the reading of god's holy word now hear the word of the lord you shall count seven weeks begin to count the seven weeks from the time the sickle is first put to the standing grain then you shall keep the feast of weeks to the Lord your God with the tribute of a free will offering from your hand which you shall give as the Lord your God blesses you and you shall rejoice before the Lord your God you and your sons and your daughters your male servants and your female servants the Levite who is within your towns the sojourner the fatherless and the widow who are among you at the place that the Lord your God will choose to make his name dwell there. You shall remember that you were a slave in Egypt, and you shall be careful to observe these statutes. You shall keep the Feast of Booths seven days when you have gathered in the produce from your threshing floor and your winepress. You shall rejoice in your feast, you and your sons and your daughters, your male servant and your female servant, the Levite, the sojourner, the fatherless, and the widow who are within your towns. For seven days you shall keep the feast to the Lord your God at the place that the Lord will choose because the Lord your God will bless you in all your produce and in all the work of your hands so that you will be altogether joyful Three times a year, all your males shall appear before the Lord your God at the place that he will choose, at the Feast of Unleavened Bread, at the Feast of Weeks, and at the Feast of Booths. They shall not appear before the Lord empty-handed. Every man shall give as he is able, according to the blessing of the Lord your God that he has given you. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you. For your holy, inspired, and inerrant word. And Lord, we pray that you will write its eternal truth on our hearts this morning, Lord. Lord, as we study these feasts, these annual feasts, Lord, even though they don't apply directly to us today, Lord, let us learn from them. Let us discover the principles behind these feasts and festivals. And Lord, let us apply the principle to our own lives, and in our own time of worship. So, Lord, we pray that you would impress these truths on our hearts today, Lord, that we may bring glory and honor to your name in all of our worship. These things I pray in Christ's name. Amen. You may be seated. So five ways that we should worship God. Five ways we should worship God. As we begin to look at our text here, first, as we consider our text, we are reminded to worship God regularly. Worship God regularly, right? Worship God at regular intervals. And and we see this from that very first principle, right? When when the, the commandment, the fourth commandment, observe the Sabbath day and keep it holy. Observe the Sabbath day to keep it holy. We're to worship God regularly. We are to worship God on a weekly basis. There's weekly worship. There's a call for weekly worship for the saints to gather together every week to worship God. For the Israelites, it was the Sabbath day, the last day of the week. But in the New Testament, we see that kind of transformed to the first day of the week, the Lord's Day, because uh, Christians celebrate the day of the Lord's resurrection. And so the Christians begin right in the, the, in the book of Acts, the first uh, century there in the book of Acts, they began to worship God on the Lord's Day, on that first day of the week. And it doesn't matter if you want to worship on the Sabbath day or the Lord's Day, but the main principle here is that we worship regularly. We come together as the people of God, and unite together in worship on a weekly basis. We worship God on a weekly basis, and God has a right to have his people come together and worship him on a weekly basis. But it's not just weekly, right? Because as we get to this text here in, in this chapter, we see this, this principle of these feasts, these feasts. These annual feasts, right? There's the Feast of Unleavened Bread, which we looked at last week, which began with the the Passover meal. And so that was, as you remember, a celebration of God's salvation. We'll talk a little bit more about that in a minute. But now we come to these last two feasts, the Feast of Weeks and then the Feast of Booths. These all celebrate God's provisions, Uh, The Feast of Weeks was was to take place at the beginning of harvest season. So seven days into the harvest, they were to come together in Jerusalem and to celebrate God's provision in the harvest. They were celebrated, knowing that he was going to continue to provide. And then at the end of all the harvest, they were to come together again for the Feast of Booths and celebrate again God's provision. But here we see this principle of annual-type feast. You know, it's right and good for Christians to celebrate, take time out yearly on special occasions to celebrate God, to worship God, right? We, we just did that this past week with Thanksgiving, even though that's technically, I guess it's not technically a Christian holiday, but it should be, right? Because what, who, who are you giving thanks to? Mother Earth? I don't think so. Right, we give thanks to God. We praise God, and we give Him thanks for His wonderful provisions. And we had a wonderful fellowship last Sunday night as we gathered together as the church to celebrate Thanksgiving together. We had a meal together, and there were many thanksgivings given there last last Sunday night as we passed around the mic and just praised God for what He has done in our lives and. So that's good and right for us to gather together annually to praise God for all that he gives us. We're going into another season, Christmas, as we celebrate the coming, the first advent of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And then in the spring, we'll celebrate uh, Resurrection Sunday, Easter as we celebrate Christ's death, burial, and mainly his resurrection from the dead, we are called to worship God regularly. We're to worship him weekly, week after week, gather together to worship him. And then we do set aside certain days of the year that we focus on certain aspects of God's grace toward us. We worship these an, in these annual feasts So worship God regularly. Worship God weekly and on those special occasions. Second, we worship God purposefully. We worship God purposefully. That's a mouthful, right? We worship God purposefully. We worship God with a purpose. We are to worship God with a purpose. We don't gather together to worship because this is how we were raised. We don't gather together to worship just to feel good about ourselves, although when I leave here, I do feel pretty good. We we don't worship together just because Mom and Daddy said so. We come together to worship with a purpose. With a purpose. And that purpose is God-focused. It is God-focused. We see that in these feasts. We see, first of all, we we come together together with a purpose to worship God for His saving grace. We join together to worship God because of His saving grace. As we look back to last week, the Feast of Unleavened Bread, which began with the Feast of the Passover. And you remember the whole purpose of the Passover meal. For Israel, it was, first of all, it was looking back to God's redemption or His salvation bringing them out of slavery, out of bondage in the land of Egypt, and bringing them into the promised land. There was the Passover meal in which the Israelites had to go out and slaughter the Passover lamb. And as God delivered judgment on the nation of Egypt the people of Israel would take the, the blood of the Lamb and to, write, to, to swipe the blood of the Lamb on the doorpost of their houses so that when God came through the land of Egypt in judgment, He passed over the houses of the Israelites, not bringing judgment into their homes. He killed all the firstborn of the Egyptians but he passed over the Israelites, and so the feast of the Passover and the feast of unleavened bread was to remember God's saving grace as He brought them out of the land of slave, out of the land of slavery out of Egypt. But it was also looking forward to the greater Passover Lamb who was to come, Jesus Christ, because Jesus Christ was the Lamb of God the perfect Lamb of God, without spot or blemish. He was the very Son of God who came to this earth. And He did what none of us could ever do. He lived in perfect obedience to His Father's will. And though He was without spot or blemish, though He was without sin, He willingly went on Passover day. There's significance in that. On the day of the Passover, Jesus Christ went to Calvary's cross and He allowed His blood to be poured out. He allowed God to send His judgment upon Him. He suffered and died for us so that we might have eternal life in Him. Oh, We come together to worship because of God's saving grace. He saved us at a high price, at the price of his son's precious blood. He saved us. And so we worship because of God's saving grace. But not only that, we worship God because of his provisional grace. His provisional grace, His grace that He gives us day in and day out, and that's the purpose of these other feasts, right? The Feast of Weeks, the Feast of Booths, those were all in celebration of God's provisions as He provided for the Israelites. They had a wonderful production of grain and of of the grapes and all of that. And and so these two feasts are are celebration of God's wonderful, wonderful provision. Oh, how much has God given us? Think about how much God has given us. James 1.17 says, Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights with whom there is no variation or shadow due to change. Every good gift, every perfect gift, everything that we have is a blessing from the Lord. You think about that. God gives us Life and being. He gives us life and being. Colossians says that Christ created everything. God the Son, everything was created through Him and for Him. And He holds all things together. Christ holds all things together. The reason all the atoms and the molecules of your body stays together Is because of the word of Jesus Christ. He holds you together. You have being because God wants you to have being. He gives you life. He gives you breath. He gives you the air you breathe. He gives you the food that you eat. He puts clothes on your back. He puts a roof over your head. He provided all the money in your 401k. It's all his and he gives it. Everything that you have, your children, your grandchildren, your family, your friends, everything is a blessing from the Lord. It's all a blessing of the Lord. Oh, how we ought to worship God because of His provisional grace. We worship God purposefully. Because God created us, He sustains us, and He saved us through His Son, Jesus Christ. So we worship God regularly, we worship God purposefully. Third, we worship God joyfully. We're to worship God joyfully. And those who have been here for all of this, this sounds repetitive, doesn't it? Because we see that Moses, he, he just brings this back over and over and over again. And all my teachers in here know the value of repetition when it comes to learning. Moses wants to teach us a lesson here. Because over and over again, throughout these, these passages in Deuteronomy, Moses has talked about rejoicing in the Lord. As we come to worship together, we're to rejoice in the Lord. And we see that certainly here in these texts. Last week in verse 8, he tells us that we're to join together in solemn assembly. And if you remember, I said the solemn assembly there, the word there for solemn assembly means a festive assembly. It's not something humdrum right it's a celebration of the lord and his saving grace it's a festive assembly verse 11 he says you shall rejoice before the lord your god verse 14 you shall rejoice in your feast you and your sons and your daughters and verse uh, verse 15 he says you will be together joyfully Over and over again, he calls us to rejoice in the Lord, to be joyous in the Lord. You see, worship is to be a celebratory thing, right? It's a celebration. It's a celebration of God. It's not humdrum, it's not supposed to be boring. If worship is boring, there's something wrong with that worship service, right? It's not to be boring, it's a celebration. It's not a time of mourning, it's not a time of weeping. It's a time to rejoice in the Lord. Because the Lord is worthy of our rejoicing. We worship joyfully. Now we need to understand that worship is to be ordered, we're to have ordered worship. That's why Moses has all of these directions, right? Here's how you do it. Here's what you need to do. You you do do this, and then you do that, and you do this other thing. And and there's order to that worship. In the New Testament, 1 Corinthians chapter 14, Paul is talking to the church there in Corinth and and they have unorderly worship, and he's addressing this issue it's not to be an unorderly affair in corinthians in first corinthians 14 thirty three Paul says, "For God is not a god of confusion right he's not a god of confusion he's not a god of disorder he's not a god of chaos, but of peace of harmony of order. We see that in our the and our creation right god created the world in in order sin brought in the chaos but god's creation was created in order then on over in verse 40 he says but all things talking about the worship service but all things should be done decently and in order so worship is to be ordered it is to be ordered it's not just anything Goes type of of occasion, but it is to be ordered. But at the same time, it's to be celebratory. Worship is to be celebratory. It's to be celebratory worship. It's a time of rejoicing before the Lord. I always think about this and our uh, more Pentecostal, charismatic brothers and sisters over in the Assembly of God's and. And those kind of churches, now, uh, they really focus on the celebration. And I've been to some of those services, and and I'm not saying saying this for all of them. Uh, I don't want to just give a blanket statement, but the ones I've been a part of, uh, there's not a whole lot of order, right? It's very chaotic. They get the celebration right, but there's no order. Now, if we're honest, as Baptists... We're strong on the order, but sometimes not very good at the celebration. And we come into church and have faith in God. Jesus saves, Jesus saves. Boy, it's hard to tell he saves from that, right? Jesus saves, Jesus saves, praise God, Jesus saves right we need to see we need a little bit of the charismatic coming in and teaching us how to rejoice and and they need to allow us baptists to come teach them a little order and and if we came together and got that right man it would be a great service we can learn from each other here and sometimes we Baptists we need to get a hold of the celebration i'll be honest y'all y'all gotten a lot better y'all have gotten a lot better I see some of you raising your hands every now and again. Uh, But we need to celebrate. We need to celebrate. When we worship God, we rejoice in the Lord. When you sing hymns and and, uh, psalms and and the, the worship songs, worship. Sing it with joy in your heart. Praise God. With your voices, praise God with your hands, praise God with your feet, praise the Lord. It is a time of celebration. Psalm 66, 1 through 2. Shout for joy to, the, to God, all the earth. Sing the glory of His name. Give to Him glorious praises. That's not humdrum. That's rejoicing in the Lord. Psalm one hundred verse 1 make a joyful noise to the lord all the earth worship is supposed to be a joyful and exciting occasion it's not something to dread it's something to look forward to as we come together and rejoice before the lord when i was talking to a, a young lady this past week a good christian woman who uh she doesn't go to church here she goes to another church but she's faithful at her church and uh she's got a bunch of kids so they've been just having a time of sickness right flu has hit them stomach bug has hit them and and they missed like three sundays in a row because it it was just cycling through the family one sickness after the other after the other and, and they couldn't get to church and finally finally that sunday came that all of them were well and she comes in the house, she comes into their bedrooms. Who's ready to go to church today? Yay! Right there's a celebration. We get to go to church. We're all well and we get to go back to church. I wonder do you ever feel that way? When you miss a Sunday or two, do you feel it? Do you miss the excitement, the joy? Of gathering together with God's people. To worship. Our worship. Must be an ordered celebration. Ordered to reflect God's orderliness. And joyfully celebrating God's magnificence. Oh let worship be a. Joyful. Joyful. Occasion. One that you. Don't want to miss. Worship God regularly, purposefully, joyfully. Fourth, worship God communally. Worship God communally. Again, repetition. We've talked about this before, but it is worth repeating. We're to worship God communally. Notice what he says there in verse 11: And you shall rejoice before the Lord your God, you and your sons. And your daughters, your male servants, and your female servants, the Levite who is within your towns, the sojourner. Those sojourners are those who have come in and and they've kind of joined the covenant community. The fatherless and the widow who are among you at the place that the Lord your God will choose to make his name dwell there. And then look down in verse 14 as well. You shall rejoice in your feast, you and your sons and your daughters, your male servants, your female servant, the Levite, the sojourner, the fatherless, and the widow who are within your towns. You see, worship is to be a communal affair. It is to be a communal affair. Again, that's not to say you can't worship privately. We do worship, have private times of worship in our quiet time and those kinds of things. But the main focus in Scripture is always on communal worship. It is gathering together with the saints to worship God. And if you're not gathering together with the saints to worship God week after week, communally, I would dare say you probably struggle in your private worship as well. See, God he redeemed us not only to himself but also to one another, because he wants us to join together as the community of God in worship. Hebrews ten twenty four through twenty five, and let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some. But encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. We're to gather together. We're not to neglect meeting together, but we're to gather together to encourage one another. To pour into one another. We're to worship communally. That means that worship is a diverse gathering. It is a diverse gathering. Notice again there, your sons, your daughters, your, your female servants, your male servants, the Levite, the widow, the sojourner, all of these people, right? It's all of these people coming in together to worship. Worship is it to be a diverse affair. It's a bit to be a diverse community. It's all the saints coming together. It's not dividing up in, in, in by our, our di- different ethnicities, it's not dividing up into classes. It's not dividing up into all of these different kind of sections that we could uh, make up. Right? It's not all the cowboys worshiping together, all the bikers worshiping together. No, we are to be one united community. All of the people of God coming together to worship together. Because whether you're a cowboy or a biker or a businessman, you're black, you're white, or whatever, we are one in the Lord. There's neither Jew nor Gentile, but we are one in the Lord and we're to come together and we're to worship as one in the Lord. Worship is to be a diverse gathering of God's people. No matter what group you find yourself in, when you come to church, we are one in the Lord. And it's to be a unified gathering. A unified gathering. All coming together to worship our one God and one Spirit because we have one Savior, Jesus Christ. Let me tell you, people who resist diversity and worship today, they're going to be shocked when they get to heaven. Revelation chapter 7, verses 9 through 12 tells us this. After this, John, he has a heavenly vision of the throne room of God. And this is what he sees, what he saw. I saw after this, I looked and behold a great multitude that no one can number from every nation, from all tribes and peoples and languages standing before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed in white robes with palm branches in their hands and crying out with a loud voice, Salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. And all the angels were standing around the throne and around the elders' And, all, and the four living creatures, and they fell on their faces before the throne and worshiped God, saying, Amen! Blessing and glory and wisdom and thanksgiving and honor and power and might be to our God forever and ever. Amen. You see, in heaven, it's going to be a diverse gathering of all of God's people. Every ethnicity every language, every tongue, every people group, including the angels and the heavenly beings, all gathered around the throne of God praising Him for His grace, for His goodness, for His might. Worship is to be a community affair. We're to worship God in diversity and unity because of who He is and what He has done. Worship is a covenant community affair. It includes a diversity of believers and unified praise of a glorious God. We're to worship God regularly. Purposefully, joyfully, communally, and number five, we're to worship God sacrificially. Worship is to be a sacrificial thing. We're to worship God sacrificially. Notice what he says there in verse sixteen and seventeen. Three times a year all your males shall appear before the Lord your God at the place that he will choose. Now If you remember last week, if you were here last week, you remembered I explained this a little bit. Uh, Don't get hung up on all the males. All the males were required to gather together, but we've already seen it's you, your sons, your daughters, your female servants, your male servants. So there's diversity coming in, but the requirement for the Israelites were all the males, because it was hard, it was difficult for all the, the women who had little children who were pregnant, and that sort of thing, to come to Israel over rugged terrain three times a year. So there's this allowance that allows them to stay home, the little kids to stay home. But the head of the household, at the very least, had to come together to worship. And all those who were able were called to come together to worship for these three feasts. At the Feast of Unleavened Bread, at the Feast of Weeks, and at the Feast of Booth, They shall not appear before the Lord empty-handed. Every man shall give as he is able according to the blessing of the Lord your God that he has given you. Worship God sacrificially. God calls us to give to the Lord, right? We're called to give to the Lord. Worship is a, a sacrifice. It costs something, Right? A gift that doesn't cost anything, is it really worth anything? I mean, really. It's to cost something. When we come before the Lord, we're not to be come empty-handed. It costs us something. We're to give unto the Lord. We're to sacrifice unto the Lord. For them, that was their grain offerings and uh, different things that they brought from the harvest. But now for us, we, not all of us are farmers. So what do we give? Well, we give sacrificially of our time. Number one, it costs you time out of your day to come here on Sunday morning to gather with the saints to worship. That's a sacrifice. And a lot of people don't want to give up that time. They would rather go to the lake, go to the ball game. Go to something else. It's a sacrifice to give up uh, hours out of your day to come together to worship. It's a sacrifice of your time. It's a sacrifice of your money. As we talked about a few weeks ago, the Lord calls for us to tithe unto Him. To give at least 10% unto Him. Back to Him for the work of His ministry. It's a sacrifice of talent. As the Lord has blessed you with different talents for the praise team and the choir there's a the talent of singing and they're here and they're they're sacrificing their talent they're giving their talent unto the praise of the lord maybe your gift is is praying for others and and there we have some strong prayers here who pray for other people but your different talents your gifts that you that God has blessed you with, you're to give that, to sacrifice that and give that unto the Lord. And what about attitude? It's a sacrifice of your attitude. Sometimes you get up in the morning and you just work up, you're at a bad attitude, you have a bad attitude. Wake up on the wrong side of bed, maybe you had a late night last night and, and just didn't sleep well. sometimes it's not about being out all night, it's just being up all night. You just can't go to sleep. I mean, I've had some of those nights. That alarm clock still goes off in the morning. You still got to get up. You don't feel like it. But it's a sacrifice of that attitude. You got to sacrifice that attitude. You got to put that attitude, that bad attitude aside. And you got to come in ready to worship. Prepare your heart to worship. So we give to the Lord. But notice this. It's not given. Out of nothing, right? You give as the Lord has given you. You give as the Lord has given you. Every man shall give as he is able. According to the blessing of the Lord, your God, that he has given you. According to the blessing that God has given you. Not everybody will tithe the same amount. Not everybody has the same talents and gifts. But you give, you sacrifice as the Lord has given you. Luke chapter 21, verses 1 through 4. Jesus talking to his disciples there. He says, it says, Jesus looked up and saw the rich putting their gifts into the offering box. And he saw a poor widow put in two small copper coins And he said, truly, I tell you, this poor widow has put in more than all of them, for they all contribute out of their abundance. But she, out of her poverty, put in all she had to live on. Oh, we're to give sacrificially, even as the Lord has given unto us. Worship God sacrificially. I was reminded of this text from... First Corinthians, or First uh, First Chronicles, First Chronicles chapter twenty one. Here in this, this text, David is David has called for a census in Israel, and, and God forbid the Israelites from taking a census for kings taking a census. But David did it. He broke God's commandment, and so God is is pouring out judgment on Israel because of David's disobedience. And so there's a plague sweeping across the nation of Israel. And as he approaches Jerusalem, the death angel, the angel of the Lord, who is delivering this judgment upon Israel, he stops. And Nathan, the the prophet, is called to David. And I want to read this to you because this kind of exemplifies this sacrificial giving. Now the angel of the Lord had commanded Gad, I said Nathan, it was Gad the prophet, to say to David that David should go up and raise an altar to the Lord on the threshing floor of Ornan, the Jebusite. So David went up at Gad's word, which he spoke in the name of the Lord. Now Ornan Ornan, uh, was threshing wheat, he turned and he saw the angel that is the angel of the Lord and his four sons who were with him hid themselves as David came to Ornan Ornan looked and saw David and went out from the threshing floor and paid homage to David with his face to the ground and David said to Ornan give me the site of the threshing floor that I may build an altar to the Lord give it to me at its full price that the plague may be averted from the people. Then Ornan said to David, Take it and let my lord the king do what seems good to him. See, I give the oxen for burnt offerings and the threshing sledge for the wood and the wheat for the grain offering. I give it all. But King David said to Ornan, No, but I will buy them for the full price. I will not take for the Lord what is yours Nor offer burnt offerings that cost me nothing. Worship is sacrificial. It is sacrificial. It's taking what the Lord has already given to us. And willingly, joyfully giving it back unto the Lord. Worship God sacrificially. Regularly gather together with the saints to joyfully worship God because of his saving and provisional grace. Now I know that there are those who are physically unable to gather with the saints every Sunday. We have several who watch on live stream. That's why we keep the live stream going because I know there's there's several of our, our members. They just can't come anymore, right? They're physically unable to be here. And to them, I want to say, I'm glad you're with us in spirit and joining us in worship as best you can. And uh, we, we pray for you often. But for those who are physically able, right? If you're physically able to come to church and gather with the saints to worship God, but it is just such a burden. It is burdensome. If you struggle to get out of bed and come to worship with the saints, There's something wrong with your heart. There's something wrong with your heart. There's something happening there. Because as as Christ comes into our hearts, as the Holy Spirit moves into our lives, He changes us and He gives us a desire to worship. Man, if worship is a burden then I want to encourage you today to fall on your face before God. Pray to God that He would give you a heart of worship. That He would change your attitude. That He would transform your life and give you a heart of worship. That He would make worship a joy and a delight for you. That you would want to come week after week long to come week after week and gather with the saints in worship. Now, if you're here today and you don't have a relationship with God, if you've never surrendered your life to Jesus Christ, if you don't know the joy of God's salvation, then worship will always be a burden. It will always be a burden. And you'll get nothing out of it. Worship begins with a relationship. And a relationship begins by turning away from your sins. And trusting in Jesus Christ. Jesus died for you. On Calvary's cross. And he was resurrected. To show that all of your sins had been paid for. And Scripture says that if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved and you will enter into a relationship with God and God will change you and transform you and you will long to worship. Oh, if you don't know Jesus, let today be the day of salvation. Let today be a day of celebration. Let today be a day of worship. Surrender to Christ. Trust in him. And know his salvation. Heavenly Father. Lord we thank you. For the privilege of worship. What a privilege it is to come together. Together with your people. And worship your holy name. Lord, you are a glorious, magnificent God. Lord, as we sang earlier, worthy. You are worthy. King of kings, Lord of lords, you are worthy. Oh, Lord. Always give us a heart, a passion. To worship. And Lord, if there are those today Who don't know Jesus, Lord, they don't know the joy of your salvation. Oh, Lord, open their hearts. Open their eyes. Let them see Jesus. Let them trust in Jesus. And come before you. And praise and worship. These things I pray in Christ's name. Amen.